It's Divas That Care Radio, stories, strategies, and ideas to inspire positive change. Welcome to Divas That Care, a network of women committed to making our world a better place for everyone. This is a global movement for women, by women, engaged in a collaborative effort to create a better world for future generations. To find out more about the movement, visit divasthatcare.com after the show. Right now, though, stay tuned for another jolt of inspiration. Hello and welcome to the Metaphysical Mastery Podcast, which is a mother and daughter podcast on metaphysical topics uh, that are also practical. My name is Kate Nelligan. I am an equine-partnered life and business coach and animal communicator and healer. And my mom is Peggy Nelligan. I'm going to let her introduce herself. Go ahead, Mom. Hi, this is Peggy. Um, yep, I was the former director and president of the Metaphysical Center of New Jersey. Uh, we've just switched over to a new board and have a new president at this time. I'm still working with them, however, on the courses because we have so much good information to get out to the world. So I will still be involved in many capacities. Yeah, so the intention of the podcast is really to provide information, wisdom, intuition, inspiration, um, as well as practical stories and tips and tools for your own awakening and your own mastery in metaphysics and these topics. So today is Awakening Love which is our topic for this month of February, often known as um, the month of love around Valentine's Day or self-love. And love is such a huge topic that, you know, there are so many different ways we can do this. But we kind of picked our favorite highlights of different teachers and practices and books and courses that we've done that we want to introduce you to in in, um, this podcast. So, Let's start. Um, I'm just curious, Mom, what your kind of personal definition of love is, how you hold it um, through like even a metaphysical lens. What would you say it is? Right. Yeah, it it probably is. My definition at this point is more of a metaphysical. uh, I think like many people, I've always thought of love as an emotion um, that you have within you and that you express in one way or another. Um, And that may also be the case for many people. But metaphysically, I really come to understand that love is not an emotion. Love is a state of being. Um, And the best way I can describe it is to say that love is the substance that holds all the energy in the universe together. It It is the substance that is used to make manifested forms, manifested forms in the universe. Um, so I, I remember when I was teaching um, another topic in, about the universe, and I'd never heard this term before. Scientists call something gluon, literally G-L-U-E-O-N, gluon. And it is the substance, the, the word for what they use that holds everything together in the universe. And metaphysicians call, often refer to this term as the akasha. It's the substance that um, is meant to represent the mental plane of God or the mind of God. And this is composed of love. So it's kind of interesting to think that it's a state of being rather than an emotion at all. And yet so often we we talk about ways that love expresses and and that usually is as an emotion. So it's a different way to look at it when you think of it as, as being a state of being. 
Yeah, and technically it's not, I guess, one of the top five emotions as signed. Um, I was recently listening to the author of the new book on awe and he was saying that, you know, what the main emotions are and like that. Yeah. It's not that. And it, for me, it's really an essence. So you call it a state of being, I would call it like an inner essence or the essence of all things. And my understanding from it spiritually is there's, there's either something is there is love or there's just a lack of it. Right. And so, um, in Course in Miracles, they often say miracles are natural expressions of love. And so, you know, there's so much, it's such a loaded word for me because I grew up thinking that love was either romantic love or parental love. And that was kind of it. (laughs) And there wasn't anything Mm -hmm. else. So I remember the first time my friends would say to me, I love you. And I'm like, but you, but you can't, like you can't love, you know, because those are the only (laughs) two categories. And really what helped it all get completely redefined for me, and it is a word that is constantly being redefined for myself, is was really at USM where we both got our master's in spiritual psychology and all of the different kind of facets and, and types of love. And one of the things that I was so shocked by was when, you know, the professors are a married couple, very much in love, and have been together many years, many decades, and he once said to the room something really profound. He said, I don't love Mary, his wife, sitting next to him, any more or less than I love any of you. And there were guests, and there were people really not sure what that meant, and he didn't understand, because everyone thinks love makes something special, and it really doesn't. It's like this very neutral, all-expansive um, all-encompassing energy, so to speak. But he goes, no, I choose to spend more time with Mary than with some of you and most of you. He said, and I chose to spend my life with her and live with her, but I love as a state, as who I am, the truth of who I am. I am a loving being. And so I love all of you the same. There's no more or less or any of that. And um, so it really kind of shook a lot up for me around this like kind of specialized love and I had a hard time saying the words I love you I had a hard time receiving them the first time I got them and um and so I really made it like such a big thing and it really is it is a big thing but it's also an everything right it's an everything thing is what you're pointing to so I know I was thinking about when you were talking about you know the idea of what Ron and Mary talked about love, there was an expression that either they used or I'd heard once before, and it says, you can't be more love. You didn't say this when I was off, did you? You can't be more love. Like you can't be more, either you are or you're not. (laughs) And I always thought that was so kind of interesting to look at it that way. Um, And it's like, we can't be more love, but we can express more love. And we can look for the places inside of us where love is hidden. Um, and that always reminded me of the Rumi quote. Um, do you remember that one? It said, your task is not to seek for love, but merely to seek and find all the barriers within yourself that you have built against it. I always liked that quote. I thought it was really a good one. Yeah, and it's, you know, there's also, he has a similar one where it's like you're not with the whole soulmate or finding your lover. They're not out there. They were inside of you all along. And it's that mm-hmm. whole like interconnection piece, which, yeah, I love Rumi as an incredible 
poet and mystic with amazing, amazing writing on a lot of this. And um, I do, I do agree with a lot of, a lot of the ways that things are seen in this case. And I think importantly that, you know, love in my opinion starts with self-love it's, and then there's also love of um, items, things, things that we want in our life, love of work, love of things that we do, and then love of others and love of people. And so when we talk about awakening love, it's what you just pointed to, Mom. It's that whole notion that we have to find the places inside that maybe we have barricaded against. I love the emotion code, Brad Nelson's work, because he talks about heart walls and how we lock in other emotions like anger or fear or whatnot, and they do block that expression of love. And so I'm, you know, I've studied his work. I'll be doing more with that. Um, but I help clients sometimes remove heart walls because of, and the horses do as well, um, because that's really so important that we that we mm-hmm. don't have them. Um, so awakening is really remembering that we are love and remembering that we can express it. And um, it's not special and it's not, um, lacking or any of these things, right? So right. it does require an effort. I just want to mention it does require an effort, though. Love is a choice. Um, so we can learn to express the love. And it's, it's more like an attitude about being, I, you use the word awakening and I use the word conscious. It's as we become, if we consciously wish good things for another person. That's one way to express the love that we have inside of us, but it's being conscious of it, being aware, being awake to that being that we are of love and how, and how to express it. But it does require a bit of an effort. Um, it's a choice. So, sorry, I didn't mean Definitely. to interrupt you there, but I love the idea, yeah. of, you know, the languages. Yeah, so we're going to talk briefly about the five love languages, which I forgot exactly when I found this, but I know that USM, where we got our master's, they do talk about the five love languages, and they've now developed these programs into, like, for teens or at work, and it definitely started out with that kind of context around romantic relationships, Um, but I always love to talk to, especially, like, new couples about this. Um, Most of my clients are women, and so, you know, if they ever get frustrated with their partner, I'm like, please go take your five love languages quiz so you can go on <laughs> the internet and do that. Um, so you know the one or two that you most like to express and also the ones you most like to receive. So let's remind me again, mom, the author for five love languages. And yeah. What the Gary Chapman. Gary Chapman. Yep. Yeah. And, and again, and Gary Chapman and the five. So he addresses them. There's not in any particular order, but it's what you most identify with. So one is physical touch. Um, Another one is called acts of service. Another is words of affirmation. Another one is spending quality time. And the fifth one is gift giving. So when you talk about the five love languages, and as you take the quiz online, you actually can begin to identify um, which of yours? The thing that's interesting about the love languages that I'd just like to mention is that there's the love language that you um, pre- predominantly express. How do you typically express love? Which of those ways? Are you are you more comfortable with physical touch? Do you really want um, to do things for other people? Do you like to hear um, 
praise in some form or another and affirmation? Do you just want to spend quality time with the person? Or do you like to buy gifts for people? So there's the love language that you have, your behavior, and then there's the other person or people, somebody in your office, your best friend, your your spouse or partner. Um, they have a love language and it may not be the same as yours. And that's often where some of the difficulty comes in because people, you don't think your your spouse or your friend is expressing love to you when they give you a gift because your main love language is not gift giving, but theirs may be. So it's important to recognize the way that you give, express love, your language, and yet also the way that other people and to see that they might be expressing love in a way that you don't understand. It's kind of like speaking another language. If you don't speak that language, you might not know what that person is saying. So you really do have to look at it from both perspectives, your own and the other person's. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, just as a reminder, because we went through this quickly, so it's words of affirmation, which is often really, USM called it prizing, but it's giving compliments, it's writing, you know, beautiful. I just watched the, this Romeo and Juliet spinoff, and it was so funny because it's all words of affirmation that she's falling <laughs> for, and you can just see it now, you know, and when you start to look for the love languages, you'll see them all over, and you'll see very quickly which, you know, whoever you're in relationship with, what they rely on and what they go to, and that's the one they're comfortable giving. So, you know, it was this match between Romeo being in his, you know, his poetic telling all the, all the wonderful things about her and her needing to really receive those words of affirmation, you know, but that ultimately there's some people in the world that are just so great at like giving compliments and cheerleading and supporting and telling you that you're great. They're really strong at, you know, giving words of affirmation and then there's people who need that because they may never have gotten it from a parent. It's something that they never really felt prized or acknowledged and when they hear words of affirmation, it just really, you'll watch them, they'll start to glow, they'll like soften, they'll smile, um, and they feel loved in that instance. And then they also feel um, rejected sometimes or less than if they don't get any words of affirmation, especially when they're expecting mm -hmm. it, right? If they were to give a big talk or do something really important and they don't get any compliments or acknowledgments and you know some people are like oh that's so ego you need to you know be sloughed up and, and it's not it's just it is a form of love language to really mm -hmm. be told and hear different things and I think it's interesting because that I'm clairaudient so I hear a lot of my intuitive voice so it would make sense that words of affirmation would be one of my strong ones because I I'm always listening, right? I'm always listen mm -hmm. I'm listening to animals. I'm listening to my intuition. So I am listening to others too as a coach. So hearing words of affirmation is really nurturing for me. Right. Mm -hmm. And so what is what what is your main one, Mom? I honestly think acts of service is what I really enjoy the most. I am I'm so appreciative when somebody does something for me. And it, that's what I find that I'm doing for other people. I that I enjoy so much doing things for other people, whether it's, you know, something simple like baking a cake. You know, I mean, it might not be simple for some, but for me it would be. To me, that's an act of service. You know, I'm doing something for somebody. Um, 
I don't particularly want to go clean their house, so not that kind of service, <laughs> but yeah, um, it's some type of service in a way. I, I always appreciate it. When you were little, you would always say, do you want me to come and help you in the garden? And I would be, yes, I would love that. <laughs> that to me, you know, is an act of service. Um, so Yeah, and sometimes they match what you want to give and what you want to receive, and other times they don't necessarily match. So I love to receive words of affirmation, but I'm not always the best at giving it. I am with, like, my clients, but not always in relationships right away. It takes me a little bit of time, but I am really good at giving quality time because Mm -hmm. if someone is like, hey, I need you to, you know, will you, um, you know, will you go to coffee with me? Will you talk to me? A friend went through a huge kind of dark night of soul over the last couple of days and, you know, involved with the hospital, all this kind of stuff. And I was like, you know, I had plans kind of to do things. Um, and I just carved out, you know, an hour to, to be there for her and to, to listen and to, to spend quality time with her as she's going through stuff. And that mm-hmm. that's the one I'm really good at giving. And I'm also really good at giving gifts. We all know. Those who know me well know that I can find, like, the <laughs> coolest gift for anyone exactly. that I know. Um, and you're like, how did you even find this? I'm like, cause I'm always looking, I'm always looking, I'm yeah. always listening, you know? So, and I love to give those, but I don't necessarily need gifts, right? Like, so I'd rather have the words of affirmation or the quality time mm-hmm. and, you know, and yeah. those are my top two, but I'm good at giving gifts and I'm good at giving quality time. And so, and then it's interesting too, because some people who are so good at acts of service, if it doesn't mean anything to you, you, they feel like they're giving constantly. You feel like you're not getting much, and that's where the disconnect is. And I've had that happen with exes where it's like, but I'm get, doing all of this, and, well, I'm doing all this, but it doesn't matter to us. Like, we don't value it the same way. So mm-hmm. then it has to become a conversation of, well, what would mean the most to me is physical touch, or what would mean the most to me, you know, is quality time. Could we do that, you know, and because – we don't need to spin our wheels, <laughs> right? And right. we also need to find outlets if we really enjoy doing acts of service and we're with someone that doesn't enjoy it at all, we still need an outlet for that expression of love, for sure. Right, right. And, and I think that's one of the things that we could tell our listeners is that um, probably one of the first things, after you take the, the little quiz about the five love languages, it's really good. Just notice your behavior. How do I typically express love? That's the first thing you want to do is notice your behavior. And then notice what you ask of other people. Um, When you request something, it kind of shows an emotional need. And so um, if somebody, you know, if someone like, you know, you may say to somebody, oh, I would love to hear you say what a good job I did. You know, we don't think we could do something like that. But but I think what, whatever you ask for usually is a sign of your love language that, that you need or you want. And then listen to your complaints because they reveal your emotional hurts, but they also show your love language. So look at what you're complaining about at some point um, and realize maybe you're complaining because somebody isn't spending enough time with you. You're always doing so and such and such with so-and-so, but you never do with me. That's a complaint. What does that what does that say about you? You would like that person to spend more time with you, but you might not be able to ask for that. So you complain about it. So that's a good thing to look for. And then ask the right questions. What do I most want from this person? 
from your spouse or, or a coworker or a friend, whatever it would be. What is it that you most want from that person? When you do those things for yourself, noticing your behavior, noticing what you ask for, listening to your complaints and asking that question, that gives you real insight about your love language. Now go through the same process for someone that you love or that you want to have a better relationship with and do those same things. Notice their behavior. Notice what they're asking. Notice their complaints and even ask them, what do you most want from me? Like you said before, you know, those are some steps that they can take in a very practical way to identify um, giving and receiving love languages. Well, and I also like to grow the love languages in twofold. One is through, in horse training, we call it R+, positive reinforcement, which is when someone does something that is within your love language that means a lot, like someone gives you a compliment, acknowledge it immediately. Thank you so much. When you said that, it made me feel great, or it made me happy when you said that, or it made me happy when you spent time with me yesterday. Like All of that is acknowledging it because the positive reinforcement will grow the behavior because people often, and there's a lot of studies around men and their focus on just, and they have an ROI, return on investment, scale inside of them that's very different from how women are and so they will do things if they feel like they're getting some sort of return on the investment of their effort so i'm a huge fan of teaching and training um you know the humans around us to treat us the way we want to be treated by rewarding and recognizing when things are going well right um because complaining doesn't usually ever change anything (laughs) So it it does with the positive reinforcement. And we can also, as a reminder, just use these five love languages on ourselves. So if we are single or if, um, you know, there's something going on where, you know, like, you know, a kid left the home to go to school, you know, to college for the first time, and, like, we can really grow the five love languages for ourselves, whatever that may look like. And, I mean, I remember when I first started to focus on self-love, like I went, I scheduled a date every week with just myself, doing something I wanted to do and being with myself in the quality time. And you can literally give yourself all five of the love languages. Um, and, you know, we can all receive all five, but we just need to have a little bit more of a focus on them and then um, – focus on growing them rather than if there's any lack of them. Mm-hmm. And to your point, communicate your needs, which is really important. So I do often with clients a needs assessment, especially as women, because they're like, I don't even know what I want. Clarity is that first step and what I need. And there's a difference between what we need and what we want as well. Um, mm-hmm. I was, I want all five love languages. I need at least one of them, right? <laughs> like I need <laughs> the one that's most salient to me. So I think it's important, too, that, um, you know, we know we know what they are as that kind of first step, and then we're willing to ask for and communicate our needs, to your point earlier. So mm-hmm. anything else Definitely. to share on these before we move to another one? Yeah, I think there's so much to cover. I think we should move on. I think that's great. Yeah. Yeah, so let's talk briefly just about um, – the concept of love as a vibration, this metaphysical piece mm-hmm. to it, which is that, you know, there is David Hawkins' worst power versus force where we can 
people essentially measure or they've measured frequency um, and love as a frequency or vibration. Um, And tied into that is an author that we both really enjoy and speaker, Christy Marie Sheldon, and she had a, a program called Love or Above, which is really like how do you stay at these higher frequencies of love that so that you don't dip down into fear and judgment and lack and, you know, guilt and shame and all these lower ones. Like if we really focus on love, it can quite frankly change our reality because that's what we are seeking, looking for, experiencing, expressing all of that. So it's mirrored back to us, right? So Mm -hmm. tell me a little bit more about these guys and their work around love. Um, I I think Christian Sheldon really took a lot of her work right out of power versus force, um, by David Hawkins, and because when he energetically um, identified these with both living and non-living um, people, um, and he did, and they're all based on some type of an emotion, and he gave them a certain uh, number in terms of uh, vibrational level. So um, as you go down the list, you know, the lowest one he had is uh, a type of emotion that has to do with um, the, the behavior that we exhibit, like uh, despicable, very a despising kind of a person. And that has to do with people who are in shame or guilt. Um, those are the lowest levels. And so the behavior becomes, you know, a despising type of the behavior, a vindictive type of the behavior. Um, those are very low levels, like at 20 or 30 on, on the chart. By the way, the chart went from zero to a 1,000. So the reason they, Chrissy Sheldon talks about love or above is the level of love is at the 500 level, halfway up, halfway between the zero and a thousand. What's fascinating when you look at his work is that there are not very many identifiable levels above 500. There are some, uh, for example, joy. You know, joy is is a, a an emotional level that is above 500. Uh, bliss, um, enlightenment, and so on. Though peace. Those things are above 500, but 500 was the number that um, identified, and it's fascinating because we're talking about love, and that's what that 500 was the level that both Christy Marie Sheldon and David Hawkins identified as being where humans need to and will be reaching as we move into a higher vibration, as we are doing this awakening that we're the level that we're going for. When I first was reading his book, and I was fascinated to learn that even Einstein never got to a level 500. He operated at 490. And when you're still at the high 400s, it's a very logical, brain-based sort of a way of approaching the world. And so his was obviously very scientific, but it was never at that level of love. And when you operate from that 500 level, you get a whole different uh, perspective on the world. And I guess it has to do with our consciousness as we're talking about, our awakening that we're talking about here. Yeah, and, like, do you have examples of those that you feel like are living at that space? And, like, if so, like, what are some of the hallmarks of, like, how they are in the world? uh, People at 500? Yeah, I mean, like, I think of Louise Hay, who is one of my Mm -hmm. first spiritual mentors, reading her book, You Can Heal Your Life, and realizing that 
one of the pieces of love is taking personal responsibility, right? Stop blaming everyone else for your life. Start taking personal responsibility for what you yourself have created. And she would literally, I just felt like she radiated love, right? And she was kind of like this, you know, grandmother, godmother figure to me, like since I never had grandparents that were, you know, had passed obviously before I was born, but like, you know, she was that kind of figure for me where it was just, it felt like very nurturing love, but also she would talk about it. She'd drive around and she'd only ever experience good drivers because that was her reality. She was living at that level of love and, uh, you know, she was not judging. She was like, I'm only going to have wonderful drivers. And she would notice that people would smile at her and let her pass. And there was just this like constant, I mean, maybe people recognized it was Louise. Hey, I doubt it. Because not everyone knows her. I know I would have been like, Louise, please go in front of me. But like, it's one of those things. So I just wonder, yeah, do you have examples of like, and how they show up in that energy? Yeah, I don't have a lot to be honest with you, but I I do know, for example, um, uh, Gandhi, Mahatma Gandhi, he was, according to this chart, he was operating at a level of 600 um, because he was focused on peace and that was his uh, mantra in life. And so he was probably operating at that level. And I remember reading at one point, Jesus was supposedly operating at a level 700, between 700 and 800. Now, if this goes up to 1,000, I wonder what that says. <laughs> you know, um, most people haven't yet reached enlightenment, and that's what part of why part of the reason is why it goes up so high. That, um, but I think that's what the idea is: is that as humans, I think we can aspire very reasonably to to try to get to a level of 500. Now, the thing to realize about this is that um, very rarely do we get to a level and stay there. We go up, we go down. Sometimes you'll have a very bad day and you'll, you know, go into the anger level, which is down somewhere around 150. Um, or your ego might be really, really operating for some reason or another in a, in a prideful kind of a way, and then you're down around 175. You know, when you're exhibiting, it, it's great to look at the chart because when when you start to get into a willing way, I'm willing to be more loving or courageous or whatever the the... Um, attribute is you're trying for that brings you up into the levels of 300s already but when you're coming from you know a reason logic based thing you're really in the 400 so if you be consciously so I guess the question I would want to ask is what are some of the kind of behaviors um, that people would exhibit if they were operating from a level of 500 much of the time Sometimes it's Quality what you month. feel about someone, right? Like you, Christy Marie Sheldon, is, her example, if you watch her, she's often laughing. She's often smiling. There's a lightness to her. There's kind of a joy. She's easy to watch and listen to because of that. And she's teaching from a place where, like, you don't hear or feel much judgment in her voice or in her mm-hmm. teachings. Like, she's really a lack of judgment. And, you can tell that she's got a, like this desire to be of service and to help the world, right? So it's like you can there's you can see it often in body language, right? When people are expressing love, you can feel it in your heart when you're in their presence. And this is how people feel about the horses and animals in general is that they're very unconditionally loving and accepting, right? And so and then you can 
Um, and then there's the more specific stuff, whereas people who've dedicated their lives to love are very much in service-based, you know, um, expressions. And it doesn't necessarily mean that that's their work. It could be that they are, you know, raising children and they are focused on really raising helpful, you know, um, helpful good good beings, you know, good humans, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, um yeah, yeah, and and like you be... wanted to go ahead. No, go, go ahead. ahead. I was just say what you said before. I think is one of the key qualities that I would look for in love. And and you talked about listening, because when you listen, you not only listen to your own intuition and to the animals that are talking to you, but when you have your clients, you're listening to what they say, not only through their body language and 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 what have you, but you're really hearing at a deeper level. And I, that's why I think listening is a really primary quality of love. Somebody who really listens is that, you know, that's, and, and just the whole thing that we're having such trouble with, I think, in our country right now, and that's the whole idea of kindness, you know, kindness and compassion. Um, it isn't there as much as I think it was at one point, but I think those are qualities that when you see loving people, you're going to see that kind of behavior, very kind, compassionate behavior. Um, but the listening is what I was thinking of when you were talking about, yeah, yours. Um, you see it all the time, and, and you do it all the time in your work, you know, with your clients. Well, the animals are very present, and ultimately when someone's present with you and they're not thinking about what they have to do next or what they did yesterday, they're fully with you. That's the true essence of quality time, which is what the animals really do give, um, which is a game changer for a lot of people. And I've worked with, you know, women who come in who have not really had very loving parents um, or at least one parent was not loving. And whether they were absent or worse, abusive or whatever it might have been, you know, they are being held in this energy of love, and we'll talk about the heart in a minute, um, by the horses. And so it's just a game changer. And so the horses have helped me, without a doubt, be more loving. I have had moments, some moments back to back, um, of unconditional love for humans when I've been with the horses because I I understand the field of, of love and awareness that they're in and their presence, and I'm able to feel that in my body and in my energy system for humans, which I, I don't always, I can't say I walk around in life feeling that all the time, but <laughs> I do when I work with them. And I, that, that it's almost like that way of being just transfers. But ultimately what we're talking about here, USM used to call it, the authentic self, right? And we're either mm-hmm. sort of in our ego, our personality self, um, which is, you know, interesting and necessary and all that, or we're in our authentic self. And the authentic self is the loving self. It's the divine loving energy, the divine being having a human experience. And it is these qualities. It's the authentic self qualities, which are compassion, kindness, patience, joy, gratitude, gratefulness, um, presence, you know, and caring. I mean, caring is we, there's a lot of caretakers in the world, right? And we call them caretakers and a lot of them can get compassion fatigue or burnt out. But really what they are is they're lovers. 
literally that's what they're doing they're being Mm -hmm. in a care environment as a way of an expression of love and you know those are our nurses and our teachers and our you know the ones that are actually caring not the ones that are you know really (laughs) doing it for other reasons but there's really a lot there that um that can be recognized but it it is these authentic self-qualities i'm super grateful i just finished um, the card deck, the Awakening with Equine's card deck, which has, you know, 40 qualities in there, and they're all love-based qualities. Kindness is in there. Surrender, mm-hmm. which is actually a beautiful act of love. Um, trust is in there, you know, and and um, patience is in there, right? And, like, generosity is another one. It's not, that one's not in there, but there, there's so much um, mm-hmm. in that space for us to really start to grow and focus on. And, um, uh, yeah, to your point earlier, society needs, like, a little bit of a rebirth around some of these qualities. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I think when that happens, things like bullying, you know, in the schools and and just the idea of, you know, being able to take another person's life, you know, shooting them, th- those kind of things, if we had kindness and compassion and care, you know, if that if that operated at the higher level, more often these other things would disappear because they don't, they can't, hold, you can't hold them in the same space. That's one of the things they talk about being in the fifth dimension is that you cannot live at, at, at the level of a fifth dimension if you're still, you know, untruthful or, you know, judgmental, all of those lower level kind of qualities. Um, only only the higher qualities can survive because it's all a vibrational match. And when you're on a higher vibrational match, that's what you will attract to you. So that's why I think Louise Hay did that. You know, she was on a higher vibrational match for the things totally. that she brought to herself. Yeah. So Totally. Yeah, and like also that it's a dedication and a commitment and an intention, you know, and like that we know all these things. We have all this information and awareness inside of us. It's just, do we commit to it? Do we practice mm-hmm. it? Do we get up with the intention that that's going to be, we're going to have a love-led life, like a love-filled life, and that that's really the most fulfilling life, right? That it's like, I'm, I'm the poster child for having gotten all the like status and power and money, and none of it was fulfilling, right? But living mm-hmm. a life filled yeah. with presence and love and listening and service has been like so much more joyful and so much more mm-hmm. me and so much more of a life I want to live in. Like I, you know, I remember being more in the place of not even wanting to be here on earth when I was stuck in the energies of like the ego. And rather than like really coming back to like the soul's just deep desire to learn and express love, like that's really mm-hmm. as simple as it is. Um so we don't have a lot more time, and there's probably so many more topics. Yeah, but let's at least touch on heart math and then self-love. So heart math, we went into more in depth in um, a podcast that we did called Heart Intelligence, and you have written a PhD mm-hmm. on the heart. Um, mm-hmm. And so what would you say as a highlight, if someone was interested in heart math, as, the next, as learning ways to be in the energy of love, what, what would you advise them to consider? Well, I would definitely say go on their website. That's <laughs> the first thing. Check out HeartMath um, because they really do have some wonderful techniques that you can use just breathing. One is called the heart lock technique, um, and it is such a helpful 
breathing technique that brings you into your heart. I think we lost her. (laughs) Luckily, my mom and I went to a heart math retreat in Tulum, Mexico together, and we uh, did a lot of these. And I'll be honest, I had a hard time with it at first because the heart holds also a lot of grief um, and trauma and different pieces. So it's a, you know, these are gentle processes, but they can take a little bit of getting used to when you do a heart lock-in and the heart lock-in is putting a word inside of your heart that essentially you want to grow like compassion or like patience. Um, Super great to do if you're a mom and you're triggered by one of your kids um, or if you're going into a job where maybe you have a colleague or boss that is a little more challenging, um, you can do the heart lock-in technique and it really can and will shift stuff pretty quickly um, and it just takes practice to so just stay with it. it would, even though it could be uncomfortable at first, it's really a beautiful practice. And ultimately, the goal of all of the heart math is to come into heart coherence, which is they have, you know, M waves and different machines now that you can work with, apps and whatnot, to track your heart rate variability and when you're in coherent states. But essentially, I believe the animals are living in coherent states most of the time, which is why they feel really good to a lot of humans. Um, And there is, uh, what happens there is the cortisol goes down and you're in parasympathetic and so you are more in that rest and digest and that's the place where we can handle life and decisions and challenges with a lot more grace a lot more ease um a lot more patience and and uh perspective right so we're not in that triggered space which then can be causing fight flight or freeze so coherence is a wonderful beautiful way to live it is um it is a dedication and commitment to being in love and uh love with yourself and love with life and you know nothing in my opinion is sexier more fun more appealing more magnetic than someone who loves their life right um and if they love their life that means they have a lot of love in it and they love um pretty outwardly as well they're not withholding love and many of us have withheld love because of our past and our traumas and our challenges so uh that is the quick bit on heart math we do not have a lot of time um to kind of get into heart math but it is a wonderful practice it's heartmath.org if you want to check that out um, and I think we're going to end with some self-love tips and practices. Really, the core of my work as a coach, I realized one day, was very much about bringing people back to self-love. The piece with self-love is this, um, and hopefully she'll interrupt me if she comes back on. Uh, self-love is ultimately where love sort of really originates from. And I do believe that all relationships are often different mirrors of the relationship we have with ourselves. You can always bump into someone on the street that is not a vibrational match, that is not um, a mirror of your own love. That can happen. That's life. Like, there's a lot of people, the more you move around, the more, (laughs) you know, atoms are going to interact. It's that kind of a thing. Um, But ultimately, I do believe very strongly in what a lot of major speakers say, which is that if you look at your five friends or the five people that you have around you the most, that is usually your energetic vibration, right? So choose very wisely who those people are that you have in your life. Essentially, you want to pay attention to the people you do have around you and Mm -hmm. also how that's showing up from the perspective of – what are your belief systems about yourself and about love? 
and what are your actions. Um, and self-love is not, you know, just like going and having a spa day, although it, that is a wonderful action step to take. Um, it is not just taking a vacation once a year, right? It is really a daily practice that starts with belief and thought about yourself and emotion. How do you feel about yourself? And, you know, nothing is ever going to be perfect. There are times when we feel good about most areas of our life and then one area is a little bit wonky for whatever reason. But it's can you still feel a lot of love and gratitude towards yourself and your life even if there are some areas that are um, out of balance, so to speak, or getting back into balance so um mom i know you did a little bit on there's so many great books on self-love there's madly in love with me um there's you know i've studied i've read so many over the years um that's christina royal i've never say her last name right royal royal (laughs) but how um how do you like kind of if you were to put self-love in a little capsule and give it to everyone right now, what would that look like? <laughs> well, actually, it's not so much a little capsule because that's, it, it can't be put in a capsule. You've done a wonderful job explaining, you know, what it is and how to identify it. But one of the things that I'd like to mention is that um, when I was working on the degree program, there was a meditation that we had to do. And I, I have found it very, very helpful. And that is, um, if you're sitting in meditation, think of yourself. Um, see yourself, you know, as an object and in front of you, perhaps sitting there or whatever. But instead of as a person, see yourself in some other capacity. For example, they suggested a piece of cloth. Uh, see yourself as a piece of cloth. What kind of cloth are you? Is your cloth a solid piece? Or does it have holes in it? Um, or if you see yourself as a fruit, are you a smooth fruit? Or do you have a lot of bumps on you? Um, uh, or do you see flaws? Or do you see the whole perfect piece? And when you started, when I started doing this, I was like, I don't get this. But the idea was, so I, I was actually, I saw myself as a piece of cloth. And in the cloth, I could see these holes. Um, not big holes, but little holes here and there. And those were the areas in my life that I had, you know, there's a lot of time where I think many people do it and I find myself, I catch myself doing this, talking down to myself, talking negative to myself, saying mean things. I can be the mean girl sometimes to myself. And I don't do it with other people very often, but boy, I can sure do it, you know, when I'm talking to myself. And those are the things that cause these little tears in the fabric that make you up. And this the suggestion during the meditation, and I, I offer this as a possibility that other people can use, is to send light to those holes in your fabric or the bumps on the piece of fruit or the flaws. You know, you could look at yourself as a prickly cactus or a prickly pear and you know, you see these little, and then see this light going to those areas that are less than um, whole. And they fill it, the light fills the, the spaces in, and it really does. It brings peace again, or it smooths out the rough fruit or the prickly cactus, whatever it would be. Um, the light does that, and I think that's when I first understood what the word light meant more than anything, because we think of turn on the light, you know, light is light, it's dark. But light is actually the aura that surrounds love. So if love is a state of being and everything is love, 
Light is the aura that everything has. We all have it. Every every object, everything in manifestation that is made of love has this aura of light around it. That's why sometimes people can see the auras. But the important thing is to know that that light is within you. And so when you think of the negative or not so positive things about you, and you're talking about self-love, send the light from your heart into these places. And you'll find, I think, that you will find you're not so negative to yourself and you will have more times of self-love. And that's just an example, an example of an exercise that people can try if, if they'd like to do something. Hmm, nice, yeah. No, I love it. I think ultimately we have to first become aware of how we are with ourselves and what is out of balance or not working or what's stuck. And then, you know, I really enjoy Matt Con I did for a long time enjoy Matt Con's work around love what arises. And it's, you know, even the shadowy stuff like, hey, like, can you love that? Can you love that? And just bringing awareness and love to these areas that maybe feel stuck and challenging. And then from there, really growing into a place where, you know, they, through action and belief and emotion and really coming into manifesting at a different level, we start to create stuff that we are really proud of, that we do really love. Like, I was very proud of my corporate career, but I didn't, like, love it, right? And so now I have the combination of being proud of, of what I'm doing and also really loving it and feeling really good about it and knowing that it is a very love-filled calling for me, the work that I do, um, whereas it, it wasn't fully in alignment before. So we just, but we take action, right, to create the jobs and the relationships and the situations that we love. And also just as a reminder for everyone, sometimes, because I literally about 20 minutes before this call, a client wrote and um, told me that she was making a really, really hard choice about something. And I just said, stay brave. And sometimes the boundary is the most loving choice. And that's what I said to her, you know, and, and ultimately there's a lot of people that could or would judge her for something that she's about to go do. Um, and I noticed I had to really put my own thoughts about it aside and just hold the space of like, I trust her intuition and I trust her choices and um, it will be what it is. And ultimately, you know, she was setting a boundary and she had to do it for her own act of self-love. So there's so many ways we can talk about self-love. I have mm -hmm. so many practices with it. At some point I'll do a six-month course on just self-love. So people, if interested, can definitely reach out. And, and um, you know, I'm happy to always do like a catalyst call with someone too. If they're like, I know I need to grow my self-love. I'm not sure how to do it. I am literally mm -hmm. another poster child for that, having gone from a lot of self-loathing to like I would call it a lot of self-love I don't talk negatively to myself like really ever I don't ever catch myself being negative mm -hmm. to myself I know you okay. do mom but but mm -hmm. I do catch myself being negative about other things <laughs> so then it's my prayer is how do I love humanity as much as I love the horses right that's my path that's my path with love is how do I really get to that level where I can love because if I loved all of humanity the way I loved animals whew, God knows what possibilities there would be, you know, if I was able to be <laughs> at that high level. And and same yeah. with everyone else, right? Think of the thing you love the most, right? Maybe it's your kiddo. 
I'm not entirely sure what it is for each one of you, but there's something. And then focus on that love, grow that love from from your heart center out to the world and all to the places and spaces, you know, that need love because there there is healing is the application of loving to the places inside that hurt. And we truly can learn to love and we don't have to like it. We don't have to personality say, oh, yeah, that's fun. We don't have to like it, but we can love it. And that's a whole nother topic, but that's the reality. So in wrapping this up, yeah. do you have any final yep. quotes or anything, any comments <sighs> you want to share, any commitments you want to make for your love in your life? <laughs> um you always do this to me right at the end. <laughs> well, I mean, I, this is why yeah. being on podcast is fun. <laughs> you get I to know. <laughs> I know. You're you're very much more of an in the moment person, that's for sure. Um, yeah. No. I I think um, I think probably when you look at the love languages, love is a vibration, and the qualities of love that we can be expressing in our life. Those are the three keys to what I think we tried to come across with this Awakening Love podcast today. Um, and if we sort of help people to, you know, start to move in those directions, I feel really good about, you know, having shared this then. Yeah, I think your love language is that act of service of helping to educate and inspire yeah. and share wisdom, really, so that people can, like, take it into their own lives and make their own changes and choices, which I love, too. It's really the truth. It's the love of a teacher, which you are, Mom, and always have been and always mm-hmm. will be, and you've been a <laughs> wonderful teacher for me, so thank you. Uh, thanks. Um, There's my words of affirmation. <laughs> thank yeah, you. and mine is to just grow my love for humanity despite the beautiful shadows that we see on a daily basis. Um, and really, you know, have the intention that I'm just one of many here, like all of us, doing the best we can to raise mm-hmm. raise the vibration of this planet so that we do walk around and yep. feel more connected to each other and to the ground and to the sky and to literally enjoy it here while we're here, right? So Absolutely. thank you so much. Happy oh, Month of Love, everyone wonderful. listening. Thank you. And please, you know, start with yourself. Um, You're only one you're ever going to wake up with every single day for the rest of your life is you. So start with yourself. That's the most important relationship. Don't worry if you don't have, like, all the friends that you want and all the lovers that you want. That comes as, as as a truth to how you feel about yourself and your own life and your own relationship so sending love and light to all of you thanks so much mom so grateful we got to do another one you too kate thanks for listening this show was brought to you by divas that care connect with us on facebook on instagram and of course on divas that care.com where you can subscribe to our newsletter so you don't miss a thing